Welcome back to the Get and Grit podcast. I am Brad Pohl, your host, and this is where we tell the stories of sinners and saints. We started off with the words, in the beginning, and then roughly 4,000 years later, we got to the part where we read, in the beginning was the word, and we discovered the word, word, is actually referring to Jesus Christ. Therefore, Jesus Christ was part of the voice that spoke the world into existence. Considering all of this, the words he spoke while he lived among men were pretty powerful, more powerful than some might admit. And in our own finite way, we do understand what Bishop Barron says. Depending upon the circumstances and the authority of the speaker, words can change reality. Last weekend, I went over to a friend's house for an NFL playoff game party. Walking up to the house, it was incredibly noisy, which surprised me, because it's the dead of winter. There were five TVs blurring, a large group of people imbibing in the moment. So when I walked into the house, I yelled in jest, Hey, let's keep the noise down! Absolutely no one paid any attention to me. I just got some blank stares and some curled eyebrows. It remained loud for quite a while. But about an hour later, a police officer showed up at the door. And when the door was open, he walked in and he said, Hey, let's keep the noise down. But with much less emphasis than my earlier spoof. The only noise you could hear now were people scrambling to reduce the volume on the five TV sets. Several years back, I was coaching college baseball in northern Minnesota. There's nothing colder than baseball in the springtime of northern Minnesota, let me tell you. I remember lighting the home plate area on fire before the game just to draw the frost out of the ground so balls pitched into the dirt didn't ricochet off the ground like 9 millimeter slugs. This particular game was pretty intense with the fans. We needed a run. It was the late innings and the scores tied 0-0. I was coaching first base when one of our fastest players lays down a beautiful drag bunt. And just as he steps on first base, the umpire calls him out. I exclaimed, no, 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 with great enthusiasm. To which the umpire looked at me and said, Yes, 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 he's out. We were playing on the road, so the hometown fans got a great chuckle at my expense. Even our head coach said, well, you asked for it. And then he laughed too. We remember important things said to us by someone with authority, whether it be a coach, a teacher, or a boss. When someone with authority speaks to us, their words have the power to lift us up or tear us down. Either way, they set us off in a new direction and change our reality. You know, if Jesus was just a powerful preacher or the prophet above all other prophets, would his words have great meaning and affect reality? Like the policeman, the umpire, the significant man or woman in your journey to adulthood. C.S. Lewis made this striking comment. He said, I am trying to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. Like, I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher but I don't accept him and his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic or else he would be the devil himself. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit on him, you can kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. 
but let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us, and he did not intend to. Jesus said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. The bread that I will give you for the life of the world is my flesh. Bishop Barron writes, It is a rather remarkable understatement when John writes, The Jews disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? In response, Jesus doubled down the intensity of his rhetoric, saying, Very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Translating the Greek word tiarogion, used for the English word eat, the verse reads more accurately, Unless you gnaw like an animal on my flesh, you have no life in you. Readers and hearers even today react like many did in Capernaum that day with dismay and disgust, and some just walk away or create their own alternative outline. But the real question is this, is the Eucharist the really, truly, and substantially presence of the living bread that came down from heaven? In the words of Jesus, Matthew chapter 26, Take, eat, this is my body. He passed the cup and said, Drink from it, all of you, for this is the blood of the new covenant. His very self, body and blood, humanity and divinity in the form of bread and wine, since both are based upon the unique power of his divine word. How powerful, then, is that divine word we read in the scripture? Bishop Barron writes, God's word on the biblical telling is not so much descriptive as creative. It does not express a state of affairs that already exists. It makes a state of affairs to be. God's word speaks things into existence, determining them at the deepest roots of their being. Simply speaking, depending on the authority of the speaker, words can change reality. How do you see the real presence in the Eucharist? This living bread within us. C.S. Lewis noted, Imagine yourself as a living house. God literally comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that these jobs needed doing, so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts immensely and does not seem to make any sense to you. What on earth is he up to? The explanation that he is building quite a different house from the one that you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage. But he is building a palace, and he intends to come and live in it himself. Let there be light. Ain't it so? This is Getting Grit signing off. Blessings to you all. Dominus Vobiscum. <laughs>